Hey Church of the Beloved, my name is Kevin Zoe and I'm the production manager here at COTV. Just wanted to say a quick thanks for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. Today's message is brought to us by our interim senior pastor, Abe Lee. He is preaching from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. So I, I took a, a month off from preaching and I really appreciate that time, that little break. Because uh, it allowed me and the staff to take the time to dream dreams, pray prayers. One of our former pastors, Pastor Brian, he used to love quoting from Joel uh, when it came to talking about the future of beloved. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29 says this, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see Visions, even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And I'll tell you, this old man has been dreaming dreams of what beloved could become starting now, starting in 2022. And I've shared a few of those dreams with the church as a whole, but I want to mention them again, just to put it out there. The first is this. Uh, my dream is that we will be able to send out teams, missions teams, short-term mission teams once again this year. Uh, to, to support, to encourage our supportive partners in Zambia, in the Philippines, in Japan, and now in Mexico as well. I've gotten two folks who are interested in leading teams or being a part of a team. So if you have a heart for any of our partners or those people groups that we are uh, in those four countries, please, please, I ask you, come grab me afterwards uh, or email me at abe at cotv.life. We'd love to be able to send folks out this year. And the second dream that this old man has been dreaming about is something we prayed for a few weeks ago uh, when we gathered together at Covenant Presbyterian in Bucktown. And it's, been a, it's a dream that's been affirmed by, I think, a f- more than a few people here at our church, which is the dream of finding a place to call our own. Um, I'll tell you, meeting here in this space at Cervantes, it, it's been nice. It's a blessing. It's a, it is a bit of a hike for Suzette and I, uh, but being able to, to connect with so many folks who live in this area, in the Streeterville downtown area, folks who can walk to this space, is, it's been amazing, and it's such a privilege. We love it. And I don't want to take that away from you all, and that's not our plan, but I want to mention that it is hard because the truth is the volatility of not having a space to call our own, it makes, it makes it difficult. The inability, for example, to have events in our own space, to even have Sunday school, which you're going to learn more about later today. Making the worship and the AV team, you know, always, almost always miss out after service, just reconnecting with people because they have to put stuff away to prepare for the next group that has a space. It's, it's rough unless you're an introvert like Isaac and just want to wrap chords anyway. Um, but my dream is this, is to start working with a team of representatives from all the different neighborhoods at Church of the Beloved and suburbs too, you know, north side, south side, west side, uh, downtown. We want to start looking at spaces that are for lease or maybe even for sale and using what the covenant members of our church approved in our budget as the benchmark to start finding that space. Now, I'll tell you, if you're interested in becoming a member, knowing that this is one of the things that we only ascribe to our members you know, you can talk to me, email me, talk to someone with the blue lanyard again, uh, and we can talk to you about what that looks like and what that process is going to be to be a member. But I want to say that it wouldn't just be a space to meet on Sunday, which is what this place is. We want to find a space and think about what we can do to make it a benefit to our family, to our beloved family, and to the community, wherever that building might be, 
located in. And it's, I'll tell you, it's just a thought right now in its infancy, but I'd love to see our space, for example, be like a co-working space. That during the week, folks in the neighborhood or folks from our church family or maybe church planners, uh, missionaries on furlough might be able to use that space. Maybe it could be a meeting space for, for support groups uh, in the evenings or something like that or for small groups. And I'll tell you that this old man has been dreaming dreams, big dreams of how God can potentially use our church, our family, starting in 2022. Our pastoral search committee, they are hard at work looking at potential senior pastor candidates uh, that we will hopefully be able to present to our covenant members for consideration soon. But in the meantime, we're going to keep moving forward as a church. We're going to keep working together to advance the gospel. We're going to keep moving and sharing the good news of God's redemptive plan through the death of his, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. We're going to keep doing this. We're not stopping. As we look for a new location, as we identify new leadership, like new deacons, new directors, new elders, and as we look for a new pastor. We're not stopping. I've said it before, and I've been asked to say it again, though. Suzette and I, just so you know, we have no plans, and we have no desire to leave Church of the Blood, especially once a new pastor has been affirmed by our covenant members here at our church. I, I don't know what capacity we're going to be serving in. Maybe, I don't know, associate pastor is it? Hopefully, maybe an elder, maybe a deacon, or just an actively engaged member. It doesn't matter, but we're going to be here with you all, traveling with you. We're, gonna, we're not going anywhere, anywhere until God says, it's time to go. And I really hope this old man does not want to go anytime soon because moving is just hard. So I'd like to stick around for a while. Now, as the staff and I were talking about dreams and the spiritual needs of our church family, the topic that came to the forefront of our discussion was stewardship, which is what our new series is about. And I'm not talking about stewardship as in, like, you need to give money to help us pay the bills as a church. No, I'm talking about stewardship from a gospel perspective, from a biblical view. It led to a lot of discussion among staff uh, about what stewardship is and how, really, in modern society, we don't think about it or talk about it very much at all. I'm, I will tell you that I'm not the most comfortable when it comes to topical preaching. You know, I personally prefer what's called an exegetical style. And for those of you who are not familiar with that term, uh, exegetical preaching is simply, uh, you know, looking like through a book of the Bible and taking the passage and just critically interpreting it, preaching on it, uh, taking into consideration the original intent of the author, the original audience context, taking all that that's what I personally prefer to do, a more exegetical style of preaching, because I don't want to unintentionally put my own Western, middle-class, Asian-American male bias on top of a passage by having to choose passages that pertain to a particular topic. That's just me. But not that you can't be exegetical when it comes to a topical series like stewardship. It's just, it takes a lot more time. It's a little harder to do. But the staff, they were really passionate about stewardship because we're all nerds. And I decided that really, if that's the case, then it makes sense for us to take a few weeks to look at stewardship, to look at what a generous life looks, at, looks like from a biblical perspective. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about stewardship as a whole. Then over the next few weeks, we're going to spend time looking at what it means to steward our time to steward our abilities or our talents, and then finally to steward our resources or our treasure, our earthly treasures. 
as defined by Scripture. That's what we're going to focus on. But today, like I said, we're going to focus on the first, which is the word steward or stewarding. I'll, I'll say this. If you've grown up in a church, you may have heard sermons about stewarding your money or tithing. Or maybe you've heard about things like a capital campaign, which is like a fundraiser to help renovate or buy a new building for a church, which maybe we will need to do that one day. Or maybe you've heard um, the word pop up in phrases like, God wants you to steward your money well, right? Which for most folks, they'll interpret or misinterpret that to mean God wants you to steward your money well by giving some to the church. I'll tell you, as I was preparing this, the prosperity gospel came to mind, which, by the way, is not a gospel at all. It is a heretical teaching that unfortunately started in the U.S. with preachers like uh, Kenneth Copeland, Joel Olstein, Creflo Dalla, and, and he was they, they, it's gathering so many followers in Africa and South America. It's, been, it's something that we've been battling uh, with our partners uh, all over the world. Anyway, the prosperity, not the gospel. It, what it does is take that misinterpretation one step further by saying, God wants you to steward your money well by giving all of it to me, to the church, so that God can give you more of it while you're here on earth. And if you're not getting more, it's because you're not giving enough. Right? Hear me. All of those interpretations are just wrong, especially that last one. Because God wants you to be a good steward, period. There, there's, a reward, there's an inheritance for you. Not so much a reward, an inheritance for you and your faithful stewardship. When it's all done, that's what happens. But it's not about how much you give. It's not about how much you have. It's about the faithfulness in your stewardship of everything God has provided to you. Your time, your abilities, your resources. Today's passage to start us off in this series is short. And thank you, Sarah. Uh, for coming all the way up here just to read two verses. I appreciate that. Now, I'm just going to read it again, uh, just for dramatic effect. But, and really want to focus on the second verse, but this is what it says there. It says, this is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Now, the Christian Standard Bible uses the word manager, instead of steward for the, uh, the Greek. The new international version, the NIV, it uses the term entrusted. And I'll tell you that they're all, they're good words. They convey a similar concept, but I do prefer the word steward because I'll be honest with you, when I hear the word steward, I immediately think stewards of Gondor, okay? Somebody enjoy that. For those of you who are not familiar with Lord of the Rings or the World of Tolkien, uh, hold on for a second. I'm going to Give you a little crash course. See, the stewards of Gondor, they're, are, they're part of Middle-earth. They're established by King Romadassel I, and they were the chiefs, counselors of the king. And the stewards, they weren't even allowed to travel. They were, couldn't go to war because they had so much to do. They had to keep the stewards safe. The king, they couldn't care less. The king could do whatever they want. So eventually, uh, King Irner, uh, he disappears, and the stewards of Gondor, they had to manage the, the steward, the throne until it would eventually be reclaimed by Viggo Morgensen or, or Aragorn. And when there was a scene there when they asked how long a steward would have to wait before being able to step in the role as king, and Faramir quotes his father, Denethor, and says this. His father says, few years, maybe, in other places of less royalty. But in Gondor, 10,000 years would not suffice. 
suffice. See, the stewards of Gondor's, they understood they had all the power and they had all the authority of the king, but they would never be the king. They would never sit on the throne of the king. It was so much so that the stewards of Gondor couldn't even sit. They had this own black chair made of stone that sat right next to the throne. That was probably too much, uh, and I apologize. But uh, I'll tell you, the, sti- the, the, the image of stewardship as depicted by Tolkien as, and, and in Peter Jackson's movies is spot on. Because the steward has the same authority and the power as the king, but is not. The king will never be the king. As stewards, for us, we have the power and authority through the presence of the Holy Spirit, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We have that, but we will never be the king of kings. And that shouldn't be our goal anyway. In Genesis chapter 41, it tells a story of a, another steward, the steward of Egypt. I'm going to read to you verses 38 to 44. And this is what it says. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. And you shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I've set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he made him ride in his second chariot. And and they called out before him, bow the knee. And thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh. And without your consent, no one shall lift up hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, if you guys are familiar with that show. You know, after years of spending time as a slave, spending time in prison, ultimately he was still a slave, but now he was a slave with the power and the authority of the king. That ring that the king gave him, that proved that he was the voice of the king. He was, in all essence, the king while not being the king. And and, and no, because they wielded so much power, stewards were typically chosen because they were wise for their wisdom, for their discernment, for their ability to understand and follow the heart and desires of the master, of the king. Because it should be the will of the king being fulfilled through the work of the steward. The resources that are managed, the monies being distributed, the time being spent, it wasn't going to be, it should not be based on the whims or the will of the steward. It has to be based on the person for whom the steward works. Okay? So from a Christian perspective, a steward is someone who, someone who represents God's heart when it comes to managing God's things. And based on today's passage, and throughout Scripture, you'll see it, we can assume that we, that all of his beloved, that we are called to be stewards of God's, God's things. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27 simply tells us, it tells us that God's intent was for us from the very beginning to take this job on, to manage, to steward, right from the start, right from creation. It says there, then God said, let's make man in our image, after our likeness. 
and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. We are stewards, managers. We are made in the image of God. And we are made to manage the things of God until God, until the king returns. So based on that, the next logical question would be, you know, what, what are the things of God? And I, I'll tell you this. I, I'm going to give you the very obvious, very Christianese type of answer, which is, what are the things of God? Everything. But I want you to consider what everything really means. Psalm chapter 24, verse 1 and 2, it says this. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. In Psalm chapter 50, verse 9 and 11, it says this. I, I will not, this is God, I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your foals, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. This is God talking. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, it says this. For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Romans chapter 11, verse 36. For from him... And through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And King David, you know, as the nation of Israel was installing Solomon, his son, as the next king, uh, he said this, there's this quote from him presenting, while he's presenting his offering uh, for the building of the future temple. This is in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14. David says, but, but who am I? What is my people? That we should be thus able thus to offer willingly. For all things come from you, speaking of God, and of your own have we given you. Everything that was being brought for the building of the new temple, the gold, the onyx, the stones, the silver, the timber, everything that was being brought for the sacrifices to God, the, the lamb, the oxen, the pigeon, all of it, it was God's to begin with. They were just returning him. It was all God's things, his stuff. I, I know it's a very easy concept to say out loud, but do you truly believe? Can you fully grasp the idea that everything is God's? Because I, I know that for me personally, sometimes it's hard. You know, do you believe that the job that you have right now or that you want to have is from God and that it belongs to God? Do, do I believe that the number 72 bus and the red line that I typically take, thanks for the ride, by the way, Kevin, typically take to church is from God and it belongs to God? Do I believe that the food that I just walked to Jewel to buy with the money that I earned in my job, that that's God's? Or is it me? I saw a TikTok video. Um, I don't watch. I don't have TikTok. I saw it on YouTube. But there was this young woman who was, uh, looked like she was praying for a meal. And, and her prayer was basically this. Thank me for the work that I did to earn the money that allows all you to eat the food I bought and eat with me. And if I'm being totally honest, I, I can appreciate her sentiment because 
there is a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of energy put into earning a living, to, to walking to a store, to preparing a meal. So the thought that it's all God's, when I did the work, sometimes it's difficult to swallow. It's hard to appreciate that it is God that gave me the job in the first place. It is God that gave me the ability to do my job. It is God that, that gave me the ability to go to a store. It is God who gave me the ability to, to boil water so I can make ramen. God gave me the ability to breathe. He gave me the ability to live. God, is, it is, everything is his. And the truth that I hope we can fully appreciate is this. By God, all things were created. Everything on earth, Everything in heaven, everything that's visible, everything that's invisible, it's all God. So whether it's Ray's massive biceps, that belongs to God. It's, if it's Adam's flowing blonde hair, that belongs to God. If it's, uh, you know, Ine's amazing voice, Shelby's tender, tender heart, that's all God's. We are stewards made in the image of God to manage the things of God until God, until the king returns. And the things of God, it really does include everything. So over the next three weeks, we're going to talk more about three of these everythings. We're going to talk about time, about our talents, and about treasures. And we're going to consider what managing or stewarding those specifically looks like from a biblical perspective. But for the remainder of our time today, I want us to consider this. If everything is God's, and we're just looking after it for now, what does it mean for us right now, today? When I was a senior in high school, this is in 1990, and I have a feeling there are probably some people trying to do the math today. Just so you know, I'm 49 today. That's, it's, uh, anyway, I, I asked this girl out for our homecoming dance at school. And I'm not going to share you what her name was because I don't want to embarrass her for making that mistake of saying yes. But, and for those of you who are not from the United States, uh, homecoming is this thing where alumni come back, usually to their hometown high school or something like that. Uh, it's for a football game or something. There's usually a dance afterwards. Anyway, at the time, I had a friend. And he had a Pontiac Firebird Trans Am. Oh, I loved it. It was a beautiful car. It has six CD changer, tinted windows, leather bucket seats, T-top, whatever. Uh, it was cool. I thought it was cool. And for those of you who do not remember anything before the year 2000, because actually that's when the Firebird stopped being made, I think. Uh, Trans Am, that's a car. Uh, it's a T-top, convertible sports car, Knight Rider, the original. Anyway, it's, it's an old car. It's a nice car. I asked this girl to homecoming, right? And, and my friend, for some unknown reason, he let me borrow his Trans Am to drive her. And I, and I remember thinking, this is ridiculous. I don't know what you're thinking to let me borrow your car. And letting me as a kid, because he was much older than me, drive his beautiful car. Well, you know, I, the more I thought about it, though, I realized maybe, maybe he did know what he was thinking because I don't think I've ever driven more carefully in my entire life than I did when I was driving his car because it wasn't my car. And I knew that he would kill me if I did anything even remotely untoward to his car because I wanted to steward that Trans Am well. We're stewards made in the image of God to manage the things of God until God returns, until the king returns. So stewarding the things of God means that we are to be 
faithful. That second verse that was read today, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. How do I do that? How do I steward God's things well? How am I faithfully stewarding these? I want us to turn, if you have your Bible, to Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Um, Jesus describes the character and the life of a faithful steward in that passage. I want to read to you from the Christian Standard Bible. This is what it says, starting with verse uh, 35. Be ready. Be ready for service and have your lamps lit. You are to be like a people waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can open the door for him at once. Blessed will be those servants the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will get ready, have them recline at the table, then come and serve them. If he comes in the middle of the night or even near dawn and finds them alert, blessed are those servants. Know this, if the homeowner had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also be ready because the Son of Man is coming in an hour you don't expect. Continuing on in verse 41, uh, Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and sensible manager or steward his master will put in charge of his household servants to give them their allotted food at their proper time? Blessed is that servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. See, the faithful steward is alert. The faithful steward is ready for the master's homecoming all the time. The faithful steward is always watching for the return of the king. So that, and there are lots of different ways that we as uh, the beloved can strive to be alert, to be ready, to be watching. And I'll tell you, for me personally, it's engaging in specific kinds of spiritual discipline. Me personally, again, it's just waking up early in the morning, spending time with God in the Word, spending time in prayer, uh, because I want to better understand God's heart. I want to be a better steward of everything that God has given me responsibility over, like my relationship to my wife, my role as your pastor, my job as, as a manager at a tech company, even the environment, because being environmentally aware is part of stewarding God's everything. My friendship, the more I seek to be sanctified through my spiritual disciplines to be like Christ, the more I come to know God, and the more I come to know God and his character, who he is, the more I understand what it means to steward everything for God. Because I want to do his will with my work. Now, how that practically plays out for you is a journey that you have to find. And I, I want to start wrapping up now by sharing one truth that I hope will at least point you in the right direction in regards to that journey. And if we return to today's passage uh, in 1 Corinthians just picking up from verse 3, this is what it says there. It's Paul. He says, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but, but I am not thereby acquitted. It's the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment 
before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring the, to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. See, Paul maintained his faithfulness as a steward by caring more about God's opinion than humanity's point of view. He was passionate about the, he was more passionate about the eternal than he was the temporal. See, passion for God, for our Lord, whom Paul knew would be coming back one day, that passion for the gospel drove him to know God's heart better, which drove him to be faithful as a steward of God's everything. See, your passion is going to drive you as a steward of God's everything. So I want to ask, as you consider what faithful stewardship looks like, what it looks like in your life, just one question to consider. Where is your passion today? Is it in the things that you see right in front of you? Or is it in the promise that God has placed inside of you? Thank you for tuning in to this week's COTV Sermon Podcast. For more info or to connect with us, you can visit our website at cotv.life. God bless and have a great week.